Chapter 8. Your Damage Damages Me When Sokka next wakes up, he doesn't know why his body bothered to do it at all, because he's convinced he's dying. Sokka's heard of the tribe elders speaking of agony so severe that death was considered a mercy, but he had never understood them until now. Sensitive nerves sing their dirge of pain and try to claim his attention, but Sokka's so lost in the haze that he doesn't know where to even start looking. He lets out a tortured moan and rolls over, feeling every bone and muscle in his body protest. It's burning and agony, and Sokka's going to die. Are you all right? Quick muffled footsteps whisper in Sokka's ears, and he jerks back in shock as a dry palm presses against his brow. It feels both like fire and ice, and Sokka really, really doesn't want that anywhere near his person right now. Sokka, you need to tell me what's wrong. Katara's voice is firm, that no-nonsense voice she uses when she's no longer his little sister, and has slipped into healer mode. She bends down until Sokka has no choice but to meet that worried blue gaze. You don't have a fever, but you look... bad. What hurts? Everything. Sokka grits out. Think I'm dying, Katara. He's not exaggerating. It's a mark of how worried Katara is that she doesn't roll her eyes or make fun of him. Somehow, more than anything, that terrifies Sokka the most. Whispers begin. Sokka, look at me! Katara sounds frantic, so Sokka makes the heroic effort to drag his head upwards. The sight that greets him as soon as he opens his eyes is like looking into a particularly bright sun. White and gold bleaches out the world, jumping and sparking like lightning gone mad. Katara's silhouette is just a suggestion of an outline. Find Zuko. Sokka rasps. The hands that have been touching Sokka still. Sokka doesn't know why he says it with such certainty, but he knows, knows in his bones and veins and lungs, that if he doesn't, he's going to die. With each breath, the mental pull that links him to Zuko is going wild, like a storm that's brewing with the promise of so much violence behind it. Sokka passes into blissful oblivion before he can find it in him to understand the implications. Halfway across the continent, Zuko's not doing so hot either. It's a little strange for him, going from the constant chatter of the Avatar and his companions back to the usual silence that surrounds him. Zuko's sure he'll get used to it again soon enough, but it does leave the discomforting sense of something he's missing, like a non-lethal stab wound or burn, not imminently dangerous, but noticeably present. A couple of hours later, based on the position of Agni in the sky, Zuko's wondering if it's something else he's missing. Shivers have been working its merry way down Zuko's spine from the moment he left the Avatar and his companions. He huddles deeper into his flimsy, dirty shirt, wincing as the stiffness in his joints abruptly increases. With every second, his skin seems to lose more heat. This is ridiculous. Zuko's a firebender. He's a fire prince. His inner flame should be more than enough to keep him warm. Scowling, as clear thoughts begin to blur, Zuko takes a deep breath. On the exhale, he tries to light a fire on the log pieces he's managed to put together, despite the increased blur of his vision. Energy punches through him, bright and harsh, and Zuko's thoughts scatter as he fights to control the simple flame. Half the wood turns to nothing but smoke and ash in a blink, while the other half of the flame just flickers out. Zuko stares at the log in shock, 
It's been a long time since he struggled to control the intensity of his bending like that. Not since... since... Father burnt half his face off. Now the shivers have become harsh and dig bone deep, dragging a little curse out of him. Get up, Zuko tells himself, even as his eyelids begin to fall shut. Get up! In this state, Zuko would be a sitting turtle duck for any opportunistic soul who came along. He doesn't know how long he stays like that. It could have been an hour. It could have been until the next rays of Agni graced the land. It's hard to tell, because nausea whirls and recedes, and whirls in his gut, and the buzzing in his head increases. His vision grows fuzzy, almost like the early days after the burning, where Zuko had almost suffered vision loss in both eyes. Sympathetic blindness, the doctor had called it. Get up. Never give up without a fight. Zuko's only given up one fight in his life before, and it's gotten him half his face burnt off. He will never give up another. Stand and fight, Prince Zuko. Zuko! Zuko is vaguely surprised to find himself on his feet, wheezing painfully as an unidentified person winds their arms around him to prop him upright. He tries to pull away. He's never liked being touched. Touch brings pain, unless it's uncle. But the person's grasp is firm in its gentleness. You're freezing. Just hold on a bit longer, okay? He tries to snap at the frantic young voice. But the words drift away before they form in his throat. Vaguely, Zuko wonders who it is whose hands handle him with so much care, as though he's fragile glass. It's disorienting in its kindness, and it makes him wary. What do they have in store? What's their game? The next sensation Zuko's conscience of is being lifted into the air, once again gentle rather than jerky, as the motion should have been and then his body is laid onto something decidedly padded and solid. The constant buzzing clouds over his thoughts, until Zuko doesn't know where the line to his real self begins and where it ends. Only the awareness of one thing manages to filter through the haze. A tugging sensation pulls at him, cajoling and coaxing him towards the figure beside him. Acting on some desperate instinct he doesn't understand, Zuko reaches out until his fingers brush against theirs, and... The fingers curl back around his own, and draw him close. And where there was freezing cold and confused fear, now there was comfort and warmth. Warmth floods in like Agni's rays in the light of dawn meditation, like the pleasant heat of noon under shaded leaves in the turtle duck pond, like his mother's embrace. Zuko gasps, clutching desperately at their shoulder. He burrows his head into their shoulder and takes the first deep breath he's been able to for what feels like forever. He breathes and sinks into the feeling of safety, of comfort. It's not just Zuko. The arms around him bring him closer, holding him tight, tugging his left side into them as if fiercely guarding Zuko's weaker side against outside threats. The both of them curl into each other, giving and seeking more of that solace, that comfort. It feels so right and so good, and Zuko never, ever wants this embrace to end. Things begin to make sense again as the uncontrollable shivering of his body ceases and the haze recedes. And Zuko slowly becomes aware of who it is he's clinging to, whose hold was both fierce and productive. The vision in his mind clears. Ocean blue eyes. Beautiful dark skin. A sharp jawline and sharper mind belied by a grin of mischief. So warm that it fills the onlooker with lightness of being and incredible joy. An orca wolf's protectiveness. A hunter's reflex. Sokka? Zuko opens his eyes. Gold meets blue, 
and despite every bone in his body insisting to stay where he is, to curl in further, he recoils. How would you describe your pain now, on a scale of one to ten? The waterbender asks, pragmatically, as water hovers and falls away from Zuko's being, one being minimal and ten being the most agony you've ever known. Zuko both tries and fails not to shift away from the waterbender's fingers. He thinks he sees something like regret on her face. Using a subjective scale like that has its flaws. Some people go through their whole lives without seriously injuring themselves, while others... Others lose their eye and hearing in the fire and the flames. It was an eight earlier, Zuko rasps coldly, not caring that his voice scrapes down his throat like barbed wire. Now it's a two, maybe. He rubs at his face. His scar is itching, as it frequently does, and he can't tell if it's phantom pain or actual irritation from the cold air nipping at his skin. Across him, the water tribe boy who is his soul-bonded, and apparently that carries far more gravity than they previously thought, is rubbing at his own, unmarred, left eye. A flicker of unfocused guilt shoots through Zuko's heart. They're both avoiding each other's gazes. Zuko feels cold. So, I'm fairly sure we weren't meant to meet again this soon, Sokka finally says, seemingly to the general air, but it's quite clear who he's speaking to. Zuko scowls at the little golden-blue thread that's pulsing merrily away between their wrists, somehow grown thicker than how Zuko remembers it last. I was hoping it'd be in different circumstances. Inside, he's quietly hyperventilating. Zuko's clustered together with the Avatar and his companions, on land this time, with Appa taking a deep slumber behind them. Zuko's less than thrilled about the circumstances, but he's happy the Air Bison is getting some likely much-needed rest. Apparently, the Avatar and his companion found Zuko unconscious in the little clearing he'd chosen to spend his night, as he thought about his next move. It had been fairly easy to locate him, the waterbender had said, because the flame Zuko managed to light up right before passing out had been merrily licking up his surroundings. Zuko pressed the hastily healed burns on his arms, and tries not to shudder. Across him, Sokka flinches. Stop touching them, Katara reprimands him, but her eyes are on her brother. If you're hurt, he'll feel it too. Katara's drinking in the sight of Sokka like she thinks there is a chance she might have lost him completely. Her body language is protective and demanding, while Sokka has his body turned towards her in open trust. Zuko watches them with a kind of longing, remembering amber eyes, a sly smile, features near identical to his, if only perhaps more rounded. He tries not to think of Azula much, because it brings a confusing mix of emotions he doesn't know how to deal with. But watching the Water Tribe siblings interact brings his little sister forcefully to mind. Zuko and Azula have never been able to have that kind of a relationship. They were destined not to, just by pure virtue of being Ozai's children. Okay, so now we know there's a certain distance soul-bonded people can't separate from each other, Sokka says, his voice going deep with thought as he stares at the thread of gold blue between Zuko and himself. Or else we both basically end up as zombies... That looked kind of bad, Aang agrees, gesturing vaguely at the manifestation of the soul bond. What did it feel like when we were flying away? Like something's tugging on the line, Sokka answers gloomily. If I step too far out, I'm going to... Pass out. Find it too hard to breathe, Zuko finishes. Amazing, Sokka grumbles. Just amazing. Being codependent is just the last thing we need. 
Zuko deeply agrees. He's disturbed by the implications. The both of them were twice as vulnerable this way. It would only take felling one to topple the other. More than that, Father would absolutely not forgive him for getting himself so bonded to anyone, much less a water tribe peasant. It would be seen as a weakness, for sure. Sokka's frowning. But there's got to be something we're missing, or else it doesn't make sense. At the curious look from the rest of them, Sokka elaborates. Zhao wanted to soul bond Aang to himself, right? To harness his power or whatever? I don't understand why he even wants to bind two souls together, if this is the result. Both people in the soul bond are too weak to stand for more than a few minutes when apart. Then how can it be of use to him? Sokka muses aloud. Unless he planned to cart Aang along everywhere like a puppet. Zuko shudders, knuckles turning white. Sokka glances his way, but doesn't comment. Zuko bristles anyway. It just means Zhao is as much of an idiot as I thought, Zuko growls. Either way, we need to find a way to break the soul bond. I don't suppose that Avatar would know anything about this. Sokka exhales. Are we back to this? Just call him Aang, he snaps. Zuko opens his mouth to snarl back, but stops short when he realizes the water tribe boy is still rubbing away at the left side of his face. Zuko is fairly certain it's his scar that's hurting, with Sokka only receiving the impression so he vaguely wonders if he should apologize. Sokka catches Zuko's gaze and minutely shakes his head, and possibly, Zuko's insides turn even colder. Fuck. If he's going to have to travel with the Avatar and his companions for much longer, he needs to find a way to shield his thoughts. The constant exposure is dangerous and puts him in a very vulnerable spot. Zuko can't afford it. Sokka's searching gaze turns into a scowl. Yeah, I'm just as not thrilled about it as you are, jerkbender. Aang, who's been watching their interaction with a peculiar sort of look in his eyes, shakes his head minutely. Like I said, soul bonds were rare even back then, Aang says slowly. The monks didn't have much to teach us. Just as Zuko's about to rage, he continues. But I do think there's a place we can find out more about them. Turns out there's a spirit library somewhere in the middle of the Siwang Desert, which Zuko has searched for on his hunt for the Avatar before deciding it was fictional figment rather than truth. And now he's heading there with the Avatar himself. It's an unspoken agreement that the truce between the Avatar's companions and himself would continue until the matter of the soul bond is resolved and they continue the game of chase and capture without either Zuko or Sokka becoming incapacitated or dying. Privately, Zuko thinks as they ready Appa, if he lives long enough to tell the palace scribes of this adventure one far-flung day in the future. They would laugh him off the court and accuse him of making half the shit up, even if Zuko doubts he is creative enough to. Sokka laughs at him. Zuko flushes and glares, ignoring the warmth that fills him at the proximity of the other, the tug from the bond that wants them to come closer. The sooner they figure out how to break this stupid bond and its stupid pull, the better.'